0: That I don't want us to miss here before I go on to today's message. Jesus said the error that they had in their thinking, that in thinking that there was marriage in heaven, was because they did not know the scriptures nor the power of God. I want to ask us a couple of questions. How many times do we live erroneously in our lives? How many times do we make choices that are erroneous? How many times do we have mindsets that are in uh, in error? Why? Because we are ignorant of the Word of God. So these men had a certain belief that they found to be true, and Jesus highlighted something that I don't want us to skip over. He said, if you knew the scripture, if you knew God's truth on this, your belief system would have been corrected, and that would reflect it in your living. So our knowing of the truth is vital. If we know the power of God, because they didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. He said, that's your problem. One, you don't know what I, the Word of God says. Number two, you don't believe in the power of God. And therefore, you are in error. So young adults, we live in error when we neglect the Word of God. That is why we need to know the truth about relationships so that we don't live erroneously but living out in the truth. You know, one thing that I want to continue to say in this series, God wants you to win. Can you say that with me? Say, God wants me to win. He's not against you. He is for you. I want you to believe that. I want that to sink in your spirit. That God is not against you, but He is for you. He wants you to win in your relationship. He wants you to thrive in your marriage. He wants you to thrive in your in your uh, relationship with your mom and dad, with with your siblings. God wants you to win. It is the enemy that has. Throwing this lie in our generation that somehow that God wants to limit us and restrict us. So that causes rebelliousness in us when God wants us to know that his word, his instructions are not to restrict us but to free us. Can you say amen to that particular truth? Remember the instruction that Paul gave in regards to choosing someone to marry. Free to choose anyone as long as they belong to the Lord. I want to go deeper in this and give a biblical explanation for why this is. You might be here and saying, Yo-Yo, what is the big deal about dating or marrying someone that is an unbeliever? What is the big deal? Why do Christians make it such a big deal? I want us to, to look at a case study as an example of this and learn from it because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 and 11, that the examples that are in the Word of God are there for us so we can learn from them. The stories that we read about in the Word of God, the mistakes that people have made, the choices that people have made, that has diverted their walk with God, are not there to entertain us, but they are written there so that we can learn from them. So I want us to look at one particular case study. I was going to look at three people, but this is just too many things here, so I'm just limiting it to one person. We're going to look at the life of King Solomon. Solomon, if you're not aware, was made king by his father David, King David, in 1 Kings chapter 1. And in chapter 2, before David passes away and dies, he gives his last instruction to his son Solomon. Solomon was the one that David chose to, to, to take his place as the king of Israel. So before he went, this is the last instruction that David gave to Solomon. Let's read it. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. When the, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to, to, to Solomon, his son. He said this, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong and act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go and the Lord may keep his promise to me. What was the promise that God made to David? He said this, If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and their soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. So this promise was a conditional promise. The last words of a general in the faith to his son was to be strong and man up to have courage, and and, and to stand up to the task that was before him. He told him that he needs to observe the word, he needs to walk in obedience, and and he needs to keep the commands of God. And he told him that if you do so, you will prosper when we choose to live and, and meditate on God's Word and apply it and, 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 and trust God's Word and believe in His Word, I, I, I'm telling you not because I'm saying it, I'm telling you because God said that when we do so, that our ways will be prosperous, prospering in every sector of our lives. God is saying, if you choose to obey me, I will guide your steps. Now, there is two parts to this promise of God that we see elsewhere that, da- that God made to David. The conditional promise that is if his sons walk in the ways of the truth, there will always be a throne, there will always be a, uh, some, one of his sons in the throne in Israel. But if they don't obey it, they will lose, he will lose someone uh, to be sitting in the throne in Israel. But the unconditional part of the promise of God that he made to David is that David's lineage, David's line will continue for eternity and we will see this fulfilled in Christ himself. So Solomon goes on after the instruction that his dad gave him. God reveals himself to Solomon and he asks him, what do you want me to do? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. Give me wisdom how to lead people. So God blesses him and he goes on to build the temple of God that he restricted David to build it for seven years. He goes on after that, after he finished building the temple of God, he goes on to build his own palace for 13 years. (laughs) <laughs> the temple took seven years, but his own house took 13 years. That's another preaching right there. At the end of the 20 years of building the buildings, that the Lord appeared to him in, in chapter 9 of 1 Kings. And he warned him again to walk before him with integrity and uprightness. You have to understand who Solomon was. Solomon authored the book of Proverbs. How many know what the book of Proverbs is about? It's about wisdom. So Solomon was known for his wisdom. He authored the book of Song of Solomon. He he also authored some chapters in Psalms and the book of Ecclesiastes. He was the wisest person, the Bible says, that ever lived. People would travel from all around the world to hear him speak on all sorts of subjects. And you can see this in in chapter four of 1 Kings. He had knowledge and taught about plant life, He taught about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish in the sea. He was a man that had understanding of knowledge, not just in the ways of God, but his his understanding was very broad, and, and kings will send their wise people to learn and sit under him and to learn under him. He was a distinguished scientist. He was a philosopher. He was a songwriter. He was a poet. He was a talented, wise man. You have to understand this about Solomon because it's significant when you learn about some of the things that he did as being the wisest person that ever lived. Solomon had all these qualities about him, but he had a certain problem. Let us go to chapter 11 of 1 Kings. Verse number 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he loved the Moabite woman, he loved the Ammonite woman, he loved the Edomites, the Sidonites, the Hittites. In other words, he didn't discriminate. <laughs> he, he just, he loved the foreign woman. I mean, whatever his eyes saw, he wanted and he got. Remember, a king, whatever he wants, he gets. And, and, and perhaps maybe he learned some of that trait. It was a generational thing that passed on. And, and that's another preaching, but but we see something about Solomon that went against all of the wisdom that he had and was all about. Solomon loved the ladies. He had already been married in chapter 3 to the daughter of Pharaoh out of agreement to alliance and in, in power. He married the daughter of Pharaoh. And now at the latter part of his year, he's saying, I need to get married to every woman that I like and and every fine woman that comes along my path, she's going to be mine. And as the king, he got what he wanted. He had a, a, a lust problem that he could not control. The Bible says when you keep reading this particular chapter, it says that he had 700 wives Now, you think some of us, we have have relationship complicated issues. He had 700 wives. I don't know how physically it is impossible to live with 700 people, but he had 700 wives. So you can see the problem that he had wasn't a small, minor issue. It It was a big obstacle that had a grip on his life. Not only that, he had 300 concubines. Do you know what a concubine is? Basically, a modern day of what a concubine means is a friend with benefit. They didn't have the same attachment as as a married, I'm, I'm married and I belong to Solomon, but he can get whatever he wants from his concubines and there's no label attached to it. And we think things are new in our modern generation. It has always existed, my friends. He knowingly despised the Lord's command to not intermarry with foreign women. Why did God command the Israelites to not intermarry with foreign women? What was the big deal? We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3 to 4. Remember, God is not to restrict us and limit us. He's out here to set us free. He said this, do not intermarry with them. He's talking about foreign foreign, uh, people. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Why? For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly and you will quickly destroy you. The very reason God commanded the Israelites who knew and worshipped the true living God, remember it's not about a nationality thing here, it is about a kingdom thing. He's saying the very reason that I want you to be not giving your children into marriage to other foreign nations is because of one particular purpose. When you do so, these people will drive the hearts of my children away from me. It is not about the color, it is not about the ethnicity, it is a deeper thing. In 1 Kings chapter 11, I'm going to continue to read from verse 2 to 13. So I want you to just follow this with me, but you learn something fascinating about the wisest person that ever lived. Let's read together. They were from, so these are talking about the woman that he loved and his wives. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, so despite what God said, despite the Lord's command, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives, what did they do? They led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Asheroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely. David, his father, had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, this is how far he went, Solomon built a high place for uh, Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. And the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Uh, Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do do it in your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son." Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Can we get, do we understand what is happening in this particular story? This is not uh, (laughs) Yo-Yo, that is not the wisest person in the world. This is Solomon, who God deemed to be the most wisest person. Person in the world who was the writer of the book of wisdom. We read Proverbs to get wisdom. He was the writer of wisdom, but he failed hard at this particular issue. He defied God's command set out in Genesis 2 that one man and woman would come together and become one flesh. I'll talk about this when I talk about marriage. He defied Deuteronomy chapter 7 when God commanded to not intermarry with foreign women as they will lead their hearts astray. And not only that, in Deuteronomy 17, verse 17, we can put it up, God was very specific in regarding kings. He said this, talking about kings. A king. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So what God wanted from Solomon was crystal clear. So it wasn't a case of of, of Solomon falling into it. It was a clear case of defiance as God himself said in his very word. We again see an example of someone defying God's truth and learning the consequence of the truth. Friends, God's word is true whether we agree with it, whether we believe it, whether we obey it. His word is given to us to free us and not to restrict us. We either learn, write this down, we either learn through consequence or we learn through obedience. Because what he said, you have to understand, will happen. One thing that I have seen about God is that my God is true. That my God is not a liar, that when he says something, it will happen. I've shared with you previously that he said in the garden that the seed of the woman will destroy the head of the serpent. And it is impossible because the seed is what the man carries. But God was proclaiming and he was prophesying the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ to destroy the works of Satan and bring back the salvation to mankind. So when God says something, he means it. And I want you to understand that in this matter, it is an issue that you don't need to to, to see whether God is true to his word or not. We can learn that from this man named Solomon. For Solomon, the women were more important to him than the Lord. His love, I will call it lust, for women outweighed his love for God. In verse 4, it says that it was as he grew older that his wives led him astray from the Lord. You would think that as Solomon grew older, he became wiser, but we can see that he, when he began, it probably worked out all right. Nothing was happening. He knows about the Lord's command that his heart will be led astray, and, and, and he marries, to begin with, in his early age, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh, who was also a foreign, a foreign nation and he marries her, and he's living with her for many years, and he marries her, and the marriage is going great, and nothing seems to be happening, and then I don't know what time he had to accumulate 700 wives, but he did it, and, and slowly these things are happening, um, and, and he doesn't, he thinks that, oh, nothing is really happening. Things are not getting worse. Uh, I'm, I'm handling this, I'm handling it because things are still all right in my life. There's nothing that is being disrupted. I've got my peace. But slowly but surely, his heart was, was being drawn away from his creator and his living God. Solomon at the beginning thought, things are okay. This isn't bad after all. I still love God. And he justified his disobedience. We must be careful when we at a place in our life where we are justifying disobedience how in the world is the wisest person that ever lived in such a situation like this do you know what he was doing he was building an altar for the God of Molech whose worship included child sacrifice He was building for his wives an altar to sacrifice children. And where did this wise person that ever lived, how dare can he be in such a position? Where did he, when did things begin to go wrong? This is the power of lust and the power of disobedience. I'm going to be very transparent with you in my life, the things that I struggled with. I'm going to be very transparent with you, the people that I've dealt with, and I'm going to show you that God wants freedom for your sexuality. The consequence was very devastating. He was worshiping detestable gods that mocked God, the living God. The kingdom of Israel, as God said, was divided after Solomon passed away. There were one nation, but because of the curse that he brought upon the nation, Israel tore in two. The first was the southern kingdom, which consisted of Judah and Benjamin, and the ten were the northern kingdom, which then birthed the most evil kings that Israel had ever seen. Why? Because of one man who defied the word of God. Ahab was one of those kings that came out of the northern kingdom. He was also a man who married a woman called Jezebel. And Jezebel was was an evil woman, the Bible says. She was a woman who drew the heart of Ahab towards the worship of her gods. And what she actually did was something very powerful. She got the worship of her gods and placed it in Israel. And the people in Israel had to bow down and worship the God of Jezebel. Not only that, She killed the true prophets of the living God. Why? Because he married someone that God commanded us not to marry. Another story that we see is Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. Samson, man, he had a lot of issues. I'm going to with, with, come and talk about that in another session. But it cost Samson, number one, his anointing. And number two, it cost him his eyesight. He became blind. His eyes were gorged out. But his enemies, and then he he just when you see Samson to begin with, this mighty warrior and where he ended, why? Because he chose to be with a woman named Delilah. But I'll talk about that another time. What is the big deal, you say? Yo-yo, what's the big deal? I still do not see it. The cost is too big to play with. Why am I spending a whole sermon talking about? Marrying or dating an unbeliever. Yo-Yo. Why am, are you spending a whole sermon on this? You can say one sentence and I will get it. Why are you so serious about this particular issue? Because I know the devastating effect that this decision has on people and how many lives that it's destroyed. I know how many people have disobeyed God in this particular area. And indeed, as God says in his word, have wandered away from the, from the Lord. I know of people and pastors and leaders who have walked away from their call, from their anointing because they chose to marry someone that didn't belong to the Lord or love the Lord. I have counseled men and women who were in a relationship with an unbeliever and I've seen firsthand experience the pain that is caught is caused in their life and the pain and the trauma that they had to go through because of that decision that they've made. I remember once a girl came in my office and you have no idea who this is, so it's safe for me to share this. And, and she said to me, Yo, yo, I'm dating an unbeliever. And and I know that it's not right, but but we've been dating for, for a while now. What do you recommend I should do? And I said to her, Do I me to be really honest with you? She said, Yeah, be honest with me. <laughs> I said, End it today. She said, What? Like, what do you mean? And I said, End it today. I said, This is not an area that you want to play with? She said, why? She she said, I can't just do that. I've invested a lot in this relationship. She said to me, if I leave this guy, he's going to hurt himself. He said that to me. And I'm like, why why did you begin in this relationship in the first place? And she said to me, I wanted to share with him the gospel. (laughs) And I said to her, So what do you want to achieve in this relationship? She said, I want to show him Christ. Do you know what I said to her? I said, you're not Christ. You are doing what only God can do, which is change the human heart. We have never called to save anyone. We're called to tell people. If I had the ability to save anyone, (laughs) I would go to Footscray. I'll grab that kid. I'll be like, you're coming with me, young man. I don't have that ability. I don't have that power. I can only go to Footscray and tell these young brothers, hey, bro, man, God loves you. And he did it for me, and he can do it for you. That's the limit that I have. Because salvation is not something that you can coerce someone into. It's not something that you can deceive someone to believe. It's not something that you can convince someone. It is a revelation that person needs to have, and the eyes is opened by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do, Yo-Yo? We simply tell them. And I said to this girl, I love you, and I'm telling you this because I love you. I said, get out of this while you can. But he's going to get hurt. He's going to, I said, I know breakups are hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to cost you, but that's better than you paying for it for the rest of your life. I'm going to come to breakups even, how we deal with this. How we deal with breakups. I have heard of many stories of great warriors in the faith that chose To defy God in this particular area and who have paid for it in their lives. Now, this is different from two unbelievers coming together, marrying, and then one of them comes to the Lord. That's different. But when we have a relationship with Jesus. Our eyes are open that we say that we know the truth. We know Christ. He lives in us, and we make this decision to marry someone or even date someone. I would even play that territory. Even date someone that is unbeliever. We're playing in a dangerous territory. Many think that they can handle it, but remember, the wisest person in the world failed at this. What you're saying, in essence, is, Yo, yo. I think I'll be more wiser, more careful than Solomon. He wrote wisdom. It is not about the unbelieving person. I've, I'll come to this next, next week. It is not about the unbelieving person being a bad person or has bad morals. It is a kingdom issue. I want you to understand this. But Yo-Yo, he's a nice guy. Like, he's a nice guy. If you get to know him, he's a Yeah, but that's not the issue. He might even be better some of, than morally, better than some Christians that's not the issue but you don't understand her heart she's so like she's not like the other girls her heart like her heart <laughs> it's a kingdom issue Do you know what the bible says second corinthians six fourteen and 15 do not be yoked together with unbelievers why for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness what harmony is there between Christ and Belial or Satan? That's literally what that word means. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? We all at one point in our life were an unbeliever. My daughters, they're unbelievers. Yo, yo, how could you say that? Because she, salvation is not inherited. It is accepted. She's not a Christian because her daddy's Christian. Oh, I wish it was that easy. I wish she's in a better position because I can model Christ to her. I can show her the way of the gospel. But she's not a Christian because I'm a Christian. We were all in darkness, but by God's grace, we are in the kingdom of light. The marriage union is the is the coming together of two flesh becoming one. It is an intimate, the most intimate human relationship that connects not only the soul, but it connects the body, it connects the spirit. There is a deeper level of connection that God is trying to protect us from, and if we stop thinking that God is trying to restrict us, that God is trying to limit us and believe that He's for me, that He's not against me, that He wants me to win in marriage, He wants me to have a thriving marriage where I love her and she loves me and we both serve the Lord together then trust God at his word now if you're you know we are called to love people that do not know Christ we're all called to do that we're called to preach the gospel to them but we're not called to marry them yo yo I, I am in that situation and I'm dating someone who's an unbeliever what do you what should I do you might be in this room and you might be dating someone that doesn't belong to Jesus. They might be the greatest person that morally and all that. But don't go down this path because not it's a kingdom issue. You're, you're, but I'm dating this person. What do you recommend that I do? What I would say is stop. Stop it immediately. Repent and turn back to God. Now, this might be hard to swallow, because breakups I know are messy, But this is an area that we can learn from Solomon, the wisest person, and that we need to turn back to God and ask God for mercy in this and give us wisdom in how to overcome this. Some people justify it by saying, "I'm telling them about Jesus, yo-yo." It's called missionary dating. It exists. It doesn't work. But here's the thing we can never save anyone. That is the job of the Savior. If you want to share the gospel with someone, you don't have to date them to tell them. Share with them the gospel. You know, this church is not a, a gathering of of people that have got it all together. That's not the church. You know one one thing that I just, I don't understand? Why do we bring our our non-Christian friends to church? If you have a friend and you care about them, bring them to church. Not because church is the pyramid of religious activity, no. But they got a, a chance to hear the gospel. Build a friendship with them and tell them about God. Don't date them to tell them. If an opportunity comes to begin dating, make this a principle you do not compromise on. For all my single ladies, all my single men here, if an opportunity comes and a girl approaches you, a guy approaches you, and you know that 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 person is not surrendered to the Lord, don't play, don't compromise in this. Be be very strong on this issue. And and if it means you develop a close friendship with that person, do so, bring them to church, share with them the gospel, (laughs) but don't share with them the gospel to, to marry them. That's wrong motive. Share with them the gospel because they need salvation. Amen? If you have a friend, um, by the way, I'm going to this in another subject, so I'm not going to go deep into this. By the way, someone coming to church doesn't make them a Christian. So if you're saying, yo, yo, they go to church. <laughs> I'm like, the Bible didn't say you can marry anyone that you want ex- um but they must go to church. It doesn't say that. It says they must belong to the Lord. Amen? Do your homework and don't be quick to commit anything to anyone. Now I'm going to read this and finish up on this particular verse. Jeremiah 5.22. Jeremiah 5.22. This is the Lord speaking. He said this. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? I made, listen to this, I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier that it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. This is so powerful because it shows the the, the awesome God that we serve, the creator God. You know, the beach that you go and you enjoy, you set up the tent and enjoy the whole day swimming and stuff. That was the mark that God had put in the beginning of creation to tell the seed, this far you may go, and you cannot pass this line. He created boundary. Boundaries are not there to restrict us. Boundaries are there to limit us. In 2010, in a nation called Hungary, there was a massive thing that happened. There was a particular company that built a man-made dam, and in that dam, they they housed uh, toxic Chemicals that were very dangerous to humans, but they made this huge, vast, massive dam, and they just chucked all the toxins in there. It was in liquid form, and it was there for many years. But the managers uh, neglected to monitor the the, the, the the boundary lines, and 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 sure enough, there was cracks there, and the and the boundary line was was broken, and and what happened was all of those toxic uh, chemicals. It flooded an entire city in Hungary. You can search this up yourself. It happened in 2010. An entire city. I think it was around nine people that passed away because they came in direct contact with the toxins. The ground became infertile, like there's no no crop that will grow on the ground. Till this day, they're still recovering from that devastating effect of the toxic spill. We can see how when a boundary is removed, the mess that it can come in our life. How many know about the tsunami that came in Indonesia? A few, uh, I think it was 200, over 200,000 people that died. God said, this far you may go and created that boundary, but when the boundary is removed... And when the ocean goes into the, into the areas where God didn't allow it to go, when that happens, it destroys families, it destroys homes, it destroys villages, it destroys crops, it destroys assets and businesses. The devastating effect is something that some, sometimes it is recovered from, but mostly it is something that people can never recover from. In the same way, when we choose to not accept the boundaries that God has placed in His Word, we are allowing toxic things to come into our life and destroy our relationships. The damage by God's grace can sometimes be restored. There are marriages that that they made this mistake and, and God in His divine grace healed that marriage and restored it. But there are many that never restored. There are many that went the other way. My prayer for all of us today is to honour the Lord by honouring his word. It is not, the boundary is not there to restrict you, my friends, but it is there to save you. I can get Nati to come up and I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because this is an area that I know is very hard to swallow, but it is an area that I know that can set you free and bring freedom in your life. Just play the keyboard. Nothing's <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 <Nah. laughs> nah, It's good to laugh. All right, let's let's get back to it. Get the serious face, All All right. Uh, one thing that I want to tell you is that I care about all of you in this room. I might not communicate that always, but every single one of you, I promise you, I'm not saying this because I need to say it, I pray for you Always. Some of you I name, I name people that when God brings some names in my mind, I name you. And I and I'm and I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm fighting for this generation. I'm fighting for this generation. That lady that called me yesterday, she, she said to me, Yo-Yo, what are we going to do? I don't know why she, she comes and asks me. I'm like, she said, Yo-Yo, God is raising you up in such a time as you need to rise up. So what are you what are you, what are we gonna do? You know, I'm in marriage. Tomorrow is our anniversary, seven years. Yes, you can celebrate, you can thank God for that. But but I know, I know how hard marriage is. It's hard with two Christians. This is not an area that, don't get this wrong. If you want advice, that's why we're here. That's why I'm here. Come, let's talk. God wants the best for you. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to have a blessed, fruitful marriage. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about dating now. We're going to get a bit more lighter. It's not going to be this serious. It's going to be a bit more lighter. We're going to talk about, you know, the issues that there are for Christians in dating. This is something that the church is is not speaking loudly on. We need to reclaim back sexuality. There's no shame in God's Word. Amen? But do you know more than I care about you? Because sometimes I get annoyed at people and I stop caring, to be honest. I'm going to be very honest. And then God rebukes me and says, "No, no, no, I never called you. To, to rely on your own strength, continue to care about people. But sometimes I get tired, I get frustrated. But do you know more than me? God cares about you. God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to win. And if you're single in this room, you have a bright future ahead of you. I want you to see that. God loves you. He wants to give you girls. He wants to give you the best man that can love you that can love you for who you are and not what you can give him. We're going to talk about love in the coming weeks. What is love? Because love, the meaning of love is lost in our generation. We put loving pizza with loving our wives in the same sentence. The value of love, the weight of love is finished. It's it's gone. But we're going to bring back the truth of God's word. What does God say what love is? We're going to learn about friendships. How friendships are destroying one another. What are the friendships that are toxic? The advice that we get in our lives that are leading us astray in different areas of our relationships? But I promise you young adult, that God wants to set you free. When this series when I began, I, I knew I knew without a shadow of doubt in my mind in my mind that people are going to come and people are going to be set free. That's what I prayed. I said, God, you bring the people that you want to set free. And I encourage you to invite your friends along. This is not an area we hide or we get awkward about. Be transparent. If you're dating, be transparent. Have accountability in your life. This is an area that the enemy wants to deceive us and lead us astray. But I am believing that God is on the move to bring healing and restoration. Restoration. And I'm believing that healthy marriages will be birthed. I'm believing that healthy friendships will be birthed. I'm believing that this is not going to be contained in this room, but it's going to impact the society around us. Because marriage now is being redefined by society. But we're going to come back and we're going to stand with the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Amen? Bow your heads and let's pray. Yo, yo! You spent a whole series talking about an unbeliever, about marrying an unbeliever. Man, wasted a lot of time. Could have just said that in a sentence. But I know how. How many people have lost their livelihood? How many people walked away from the Lord because of this very decision? Second most important decision who your forever will be. Lord Jesus, I've I've done my job. I've done my assignment. I pray for the people in this room, for my brothers and sisters, whom I love, Lord, but I know you have an unconditional love towards us. And my prayer is that you give us wisdom that surpasses the wisdom of Solomon in this area. The wisdom that comes from above. The Word of God says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give you. He will give you wisdom. If you're in this room and you're dating someone that doesn't belong to the Lord, my encouragement for you is take that very seriously. It's not light. Do something about it while you can. If, if that is the case and you've never shared it with anyone or it's hidden, come and chat with me. Let's talk. My heart is that you're free and that you're living in freedom. If you're in this room and and, and, and someone has approached you that is an unbeliever and, and you don't know what to do, I'm believing this is a timely message for you. And I want you to get wisdom of God's counsel on this, it's not worth it. I don't care how good looking the person is, how down to earth, how much they care about you, it's not worth it. Because it's not a personality issue, it's a kingdom issue. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring freedom and healing in this particular subject. As we begin to talk about things that that people are silent on, Lord, our freedom is, is, is counting on this, Lord, and we're going to speak about this truth, Lord. I pray that you give strength to people in this room to get wise counsel from people that, that, that they know, that are in their life, that love you, Lord, that are wise, that have walked with you, Lord. People that, that can lead them, Lord, into making a wise decision, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, dispel all of the erroneous thinking that we have in this particular issue dispel it from our minds set us free Lord help us to know your word help us to respect your boundaries to honor your boundaries so that we can live the freedom that you've called us to live Lord thank you for what you're doing in this place right now you know I believe there's freedom it's freedom that God is is bringing into your hearts Thank you, Jesus. Bless this this week that is before us. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to do what you want to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. God bless you. Come next week. Invite your friends along. Cheers.